Blog Talk Radio. Monday, but here now is, again, the one, the only, well, who the fuck else, Brian Rails, and I have got much to discuss with you because backlash, uh, three out of eight ain't bad, I gotta fix that fucking title, hang on one second, folks, while I am editing the title, I will tell you this, the three best matches were Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. The iconic Sasha and Bailey. I must tell you, folks, it wasn't that bad of a match. I mean, it had a an outcome where it made you pull Jin, a real Jin, so it did its job. Um, I, I do have one complaint. Actually, it was like why you know it was short. Not really. It was great back and forth, and I really appreciate what those women did. You know, for the night, starting off the match, or starting off the night, I should say, with a bang. Because the first match is always supposed to set the tone. It's always supposed to make the rest of the night go by smoothly, go by swimmingly, right? So, the beginning of the match was great. You know, you had three women start off the match at a time. You had Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce, and Bailey. And all those women did a phenomenal job. And, you know, you really want to get pulled in because Bailey and Sasha are not my favorites, um, not just as a fan, but as a as from a worker's perspective. I really don't think – I don't agree with uh, some of the things that Jim Cornette says about Bailey being the best thing to happen to WWE. I, in a way, folks, look, when NXT first started – and it had the class of 2014, and that class had to fight their asses off to get attention, dude. Um, Bailey strikes me as the type that she really, I just, basic, generic, um, she's a good, strong in-ring competitor. There are some, like I said, there are some mistakes that she makes in-ring, and how do I know this? Because... They said I've 
I've seen, I've observed, I've trained briefly. I'm not the all-knowing expert on professional wrestling. Believe me, me. Or believe me, you. Sorry. For those of you who want me to be grammatically fucking correct, uh, this out. The match had good pace to it. It was intriguing. I mean, the ending was definitely decent. Uh, the Orton Edge match. Hoo-wee, man. Roller coaster. Why did I skip to the main event? Because, okay, Lashley McIntyre wasn't bad either. The predictability of it, um, as in Lana going to ringside and her getting, you know, bumped at the end and distracted Lashley, which cost him the match. I will go over WWE Raw results, but if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can go to Wrestle underscore radio, message us through there, or you can go to Wrestle Radio forward slash Facebook dot com and message me there, or, or, you can go to B-Train 5000 on Instagram. That's my second handle. And it's a work in progress. You can also reach us through Twitter at B-Train 5000 at Twitter. So, uh, at B-Train 5000 So, yo, hit me up. Ask questions. Send me messages. The ones that are appropriate, not political. Uh, as far as the rest of the matches goes, Nia Jax versus Asuka, I don't know... Uh, how well you guys perceived that match, but a double count out really does not scream, okay, was it going to be the drizzling shit? It started off great. I just don't understand the double count out result. I mean, can psychoanalyze this shit all we want, but we all know in the end. Some of the reasons why Backlash was the drizzling shit, because... I don't care if the healer babyface goes over, but some of the matches did not tell a story. You want specifics? Okay. The Intercontinental title match, I mean, it was so quick. They're like, congratulations on your Intercontinental title match, AJ. Like, I'm not mad about those results. What what made it the drizzling shits was that Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman I mean, is that to say that Braun can't work And he's a big man He's supposed to be beating up on little guys I get it but Miz is not little And neither is Morrison And it would have been real funny Had they Hit him with a steel chair Did a low blow Some kind of distraction type thing Take the title off of Braun Strowman And instead A backlash Everyone bitches about a title not changing hands. What I'm bitching about is, geez, this felt like a a Night of Champions pay-per-view. Maybe they should have changed the the title of the pay-per-view. Because Backlash, that's supposed to be something that happens because many, many horrible things have transpired. Now, there's a Backlash. The only match that exuded their matches that exuded that were actually, actually, I don't know. Lastly, you could say versus McIntyre started off the match strong, got a lot of heat from the crowd. A lot of the crowd was NXT talent, you know, like Caitlin Carter and Tony Nese and all them. It was great. You know, they had a crowd to make crowd noise, and there was enough people there. I think there was like 50, maybe 60 people in the fucking audience. They're all, you know, NXT trainees and Anyways, so the outcomes 
definitely part of the problem. Sasha and Bailey are supposed to hold those titles for how long? Is there a surprise in them losing to Shotzi and whomever Shotzi's part? Oh, Tegan Knox, sorry. Is that a shock to you all that Sasha and Bailey were victorious? No, dude, it wasn't a shock to me because I've jokingly said, what if Bailey and Sasha recapture the titles and they're just going to go around hoarding, you know, not hoarding, but holding the titles for a long fucking period of time. And I don't, because it's getting good heat, uh, but it's boring the rest of the crowd to tears because Corey was hinting at in commentary I, you know, once in a while, if Bailey decides to lose that championship, then Sasha can pursue it, which is code for you don't know what the fuck's going to happen with Sasha and Bailey. And people, some people are saying around the wrestling community, we don't mind Sasha and Bailey being champion. That's fine. I just think I want to point out um, the ratings are still average, it has nothing to do with them being champions, dude. It's the believability of them being friends for very much long, because there's been a lot of fucking miscues. Are they teasing? Are they building it for extreme rules where everything goes, any type of extreme match, like chairs match, ladders match, kendo stick match, kendo stick on a pole match. I mean, anything can happen in extreme rules where Sasha and Bailey could commingle with one another, and then there's another miscue, and then Sasha just loses it and beats the fuck out of Bailey. I don't, like I said, I'm tired of making joking predictions and helping out by accident, but I already think with, without my fucking help that they don't need to be like, oh, yeah, some Mark just came up with a creative direction. Why don't we take advantage of that? No, I don't think they're that type of company. I really honestly don't, dude. You know how many people claim, well, I think they must be listening to our podcast. Like, everyone and their brother's mother says that shit. Anyway, so AJ... Got congratulated for his victory, and it would have been it would have been cooler, I guess, if the OC was by his side to congratulate him for his victory over Daniel Bryan. Um, so a lot of ums. I'm gonna read WWE Raw results because I didn't have time to get home, so we're gonna read from the WWE Raw results, folks. Bear with me. We're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification right here on Wrestle Radio Network. But, uh, so apparently Christian returned, but got punted. Okay. It opened with Randy Orton in the ring, addressing the victory over Edge in the greatest wrestling match ever. So Christian spent most of the rest of the night internally debating the idea of returning to action to take on Orton. Okay, so it opened up with Orton. Makes sense. It was a good match. Um, Randy Orton threw down a challenge for an unsanctioned match with unsanctioned. Oh, my goodness. So you're reuniting Edge and Christian. Are you setting them up for fall? I don't know. 
It was, it was a good decision. So, Rob, good God, man. Thank you. Gave me something good and positive to talk about for a change. Kevin Owens beat Angel Garza. So, in other words, they beat him with a stunner. So, it was interrupted by Andrade. <laughs> Garza tried to attack immediately after the bell, but Owens avoided the attack and took the action to Garza. So, Andrade comes down. Got into an argument at ringside, and then she's sick of this. Okay, boo. Uh, it's okay. Then Lashley told Lana he wants a divorce. <laughs> Fucking wow. I I joked about this with my friend. This is sad in this aspect, but uh, okay, I'll just go along with the show. It says MVP said McIntyre should have given Lashley an immediate rematch after Lana defied orders to leave her behind backstage. Lana then interrupts saying she put Lashley's career over her own career, which is true. I mean, she she didn't really do much. I mean, she did something for, some things for Rusev. I mean, she was Zelina Vega's role before Zelina Vega came from NXT. Anyways, Lashley sided with MVP saying it ruined every, or she, Lana, ruined everything. Well, she, yeah, she did, but it's still, I mean... Oh, goodness. Uh, I'm sorry, folks, but don't care for that bunch at all. Lashley, MVP, love MVP, but dear Lord, man, this this, this is one of the things that was a, a kind of bullshit thing I read about on Raw. The Viking Raiders and the Street Profits defeat Akira Dezao's Ninjas versus Pinfall. What the fuck is going on? I, I give it a D or an F in that aspect, so... Dominic, moving forward, Dominic Mysterio executed a hit and run on Seth Rollins. I so now Dominic's getting involved. Cool. I remember when he was involved with uh, the whole Eddie story angle. That this is great, dude. Um, this is actually compelling TV. I mean, some of it is. Dominic wasn't part of the solution. He's part of the problem, as Seth said. And then, and then. Dominic has been so time he's gotten physically involved. In yeah, dude, he's been fucking trained. I mean, Ray's not obviously going to send his own son out there if he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And obviously, Seth trusts him enough. The Iconics defeat Liv Morgan and Natalia. Okay, wait, wait, wait. It was a short match. So Peyton Royce distracted the ref long enough to allow the duo to take back over and take down Morgan to score the win. So Liv Morgan has turned into a softie, okay? Apollo Crews meet Shelton Benjamin. Wow, uh, that's pretty cool. So before the match, Chris Simon fighting over champion cares. Well, sleep match championship. McIntyre and Truth defeat Lashley and MVP. The pinfalls. McIntyre retains his title. So when McIntyre. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> R-Truth actually got paired with McIntyre. Wow. Raw Women's Championship, Asuka beat Nia Jax with a schoolboy. Hold the... Okay, so let me read this. Jax tried to bring the power, but every time she seemed to have something going, Asuka locked up submission holds. Jax finally took over. So basically it was a continuation of last night. Okay, and then Oscar rolled up Jax with a schoolboy pin. So she did hit a Samoan drop, folks, and then she tried to pin Oscar, but Oscar's foot was on the bottom row. I like that. 
unsanctioned match, Randy Orton beats Christian. So Christian debated whether he was going to accept the match or not. Um, so, okay, let's see here. So now, the ending for WWE Raw. Wow, it's like Raw was way better than Backlash. Isn't that funny? Okay. I got to read the ratings for WWE Raw because I am, I am curious, folks, as to how WWE Raw is. Oh, boy. Something unexpected planned for tonight's episode of WWE Raw. Obviously, I just read the results. So, what the... Uh-huh. Unique ideas to get fans to tune in. So, Pritchard's part of creative again. Thank you, Jesus. Paul Heyman's vision was to push younger talent, while Pritchard was more in favor of pushing established talent. That would be more than what Vince wants. So you got to do what the boss tells you, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, you, the young. The, now I do have a debate point. This is sad. Like I said, so I am very bipolar with WWE, and this is the point. So the ratings are a big deal right now, so you can expect something newsworthy on tonight's show. This is kind of funny. So WrestleVote basically on their Twitter said, I really don't want to spoil the news for everyone, so I'm not. However, I got a phone call earlier with info that Raw will feature something unexpected, which I think everyone will like. Sometimes scares never heal. Scars never heal. Scares never heal or scars? What are you trying to say, dude? I'm going to look up WWE Raw ratings. I want to see where these are. Um, I haven't read ratings in a long while. So, few minutes. Yeah, it was almost an Iron Man match, which was really, really good. Um, uh both got the you got you still got it chance, which you know, hey I mean these guys were doing moves that they had not done I had not seen in quite a while. So four and a half stars, wow. And I think that was geez, um So that match got four and a half stars. What did this one get? I okay, no, I didn't need the match results for backlash because I already knew. So Second lowest ever on May 18th. So, uh, Monday Night Raw drew an average of 1,757 viewers on the USA Network, down from last week's 1,919,000 viewers. Second lowest viewer number for Raw ever only ahead of May 4th episode, which drew 1,686,000. This was May. So they actually dropped in ratings by quite a few folks. Um, let me just point this out. There's only been a few Mondays in June. So as I just going to look, dude, I really promise you I'll try and find the numbers, but they've only had a few Raws in, in June. Someone requested me to do ratings on Instagram. And Jerry, I really – not Jerry Waller, some different Jerry from – Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, cool, dude. You listen to our show? Nice. I'll promise you, dude, I'll message you as soon as I get off the air, and I'm not lying about that. It's Wrestle underscore radio. 
they message this is great. I get a message on Facebook and Instagram. Uh okay. WWE Raw rating, June 1st, 2020, second lowest ever again. So, uh, 1,728,000 viewers on USA Network, down from last week's 1,735,000. They're trying, folks. God. May 4th, 1,686,000. Enough reading numbers. Let's just say it. There's sometimes, actually, there's lots of times, even without an audience, even with the current NXT roster, lower tier of it, showing up to shows does help, and it does help that they now are catching on that you need an audience to cheer you on, boo you, whatever. But if you, even with an audience now, dude, the stories are just, they're not that intriguing. And it's, uh, God, true, the whole McIntyre, Lashley thing, those two used to be the best of friends. You know, Drew carried the load, basically, for story. Lashley is very athletic-looking, is now enhanced with Lana's, you know, love stories and all this bullshit, the Jerry Springer angle. I just... I'm sorry, that's the one weak part of WWE Raw is everyone picks up a microphone. And no one... There are matches, and it has gotten better, and I'm glad that, you know, Pritchard is taking over the reins of creative. But at the same time, when it said in the article that Heyman wanted to establish, you know, young talent, why couldn't we do a mix of both and have young talent, you know, getting over is one thing, but telling a story is another, and WWE Raw is lagging in that department of telling the fans a clear-cut fucking story, and it's just, you know what, I've got 37 minutes to basically tell my spiel about why it feels like backlash, and three out of four ain't bad, three out of eight, my bad. So, ladies and gentlemen, the following show, the following podcast, contains explicit language throughout the entire duration of its show. Off the Rails Uncensored is a copyrighted podcast. Since its inception of May 7th, not May 7th, March 7th, 2016, if your children are repeating every single foul word that comes out of my mouth. I'm not apologizing because they ain't got school. And uh, let me just put it to you like this. If you've got small children, put earmuffs on their ears so they don't fucking listen to my show because I'm going to drop more F-bombs in the day of D-Day, all right? Understand, that's going to be a lot of... a lot of frivolity, right? Anyways, folks, Off the Rails, Uncensored is an original titled podcast. It is copyrighted on March 7th of 2016 officially. Any further use of the phrase Off the Rails, Uncensored, and you will be fined $45.
and it will be automatically deposited into my PayPal. How about them apples? All right. Let's see if I can kick it old school here for a minute. So, wow. Take a listen, the monkeys in the truck. My music. Take it. pay-per-view backlash was terrible the women's matches were decent obviously it led up to tonight Asuka and Nia have worked together before I remember it in NXT I remember going to a lot of the matches before everything closed down and I just want to point out man watching last night's show would make me think okay I really don't know why, even even without an audience. Like I said, it could contrast when we're like Raw tonight, decent. Uh, backlash, not so much, because I watch the show and I'm thinking, this is like the survey that you take at the end of FedEx or you know eBay or Amazon after you deal with customer service. Like a good, uh, well, I wouldn't say good friend, but a wrestling relative if you will uncle bob would say professional wrestling is like a service you know a company that you serve and you're serving your customers how well do you want to serve your customers you don't want to sit there at a table eating dinner and the server is mean rude obnoxious doesn't care what you think takes your order doesn't even check back with you and says all right here's the bill do you honestly think you would eat at that restaurant? Well, I'm just curious. Do you honestly, would you eat at a restaurant where the waiter was completely rude to you? The way that I look at professional wrestling is presentation. If some of it's decent, then yes, I will for sure, without hesitation, watch your shit over and over again. But if it is a crock of shit, where I don't necessarily agree with the matches, and then you get up. <laughs> Why are guys getting on microphones during a pay-per-view? Can you explain that to me? There's there's a little bit of a crowd, and that does help alleviate the tension with the promo in some instances. But at Backlash, when Miz and Morrison cut up and did a music video, yes, it is something different, and it was kind of funny. So I tossed my water bottle back and forth. But at the same fucking time, the match didn't even last very long. And why does it sound like I'm bitching about it? Because you would think guys the caliber of Miz and Morrison would actually get a say-so in this. Because, well, they're like, well, you can't have Strowman lose because you complained about him not winning a championship. Well, 
Opportunity knocked. Roman got hurt. Not hurt, but he didn't want to risk catching COVID-19. You know why? He's got leukemia and he's got high risk. So, anyways, Braun Strowman took over the role, right? Or the opportunity. And he wins against Bray Wyatt. Defends against Bray Wyatt. Defends successfully. Defends against Miz and Morrison. Knocks him down like a bunch of bowling pins. Match basically was so boring, folks. I, I was eating taco hell while watching this pay-per-view. And I just said to myself, you know, it'd be nice if one of the titles changed hands. One. And I know it sounds like griping and moaning and bitching and beseeching and begging and pleading, but why not have an NXT title defended at the next pay-per-view? Because three out of the eight matches that were booked on that card, I mean, sure, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan was great. I didn't catch it. Like I said, I had worked a nine-hour shift and wasn't really in the fucking mood to be like, I can watch every match, great, you know. I rewatched it, to be fair, I rewatched it and I still feel like Backlash was the drizzling shit. So I'm, I'm gonna ask this question to whomever I know they said, Well you you just said Bruce Pritchard was taking over creative. That man is not as bad as Michael Hayes, who's the senior producer of the company. Who was so fucking out of touch during Table for Three said the following. They were asked, you know, what dream match would you have? And the reason why I say that I cringe, Roman Reigns versus John Cena. To some of us who, as much as I would love to see that shit fest, no. Fans, when they were at it in full arenas, booed the fuck out of that match. Do you know why? Because none of those signs at all did fans want to see that. Yet here we are in 2020, and we're still doing the move of, well, we got to conserve it for Raw because ratings are low. As I just read to you, in June, on June 1st, that is the second time the ratings went below. You know, luckily for WWE, their merchandise is selling off the rack. Is there any other matches I want to go over with you at Backlash? Probably. Because I want to go over the full match card with you all and, and just give my own two cents on it. So, I'm just going to read from CBS Sports. I do, you know, I'm just going to say it was great. The soundtrack was good. I mean, it was like a Disney type thing. But anyways, United States Championship in the kickoff match, uh, Apollo Crews versus Andrade and Kevin Owens made his way to ringside to work commentary. This has been interesting. So, Apollo Crews beat Andrade. Women's Tag Team Championship match kicked off tonight with Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, the Iconics, and Bailey and Sasha. Let's get Bailey and Sasha retained. Oh, yeah, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. Great promo, beginning the match, and then Jeff Hardy loses for, you know, whatever reason. Raw Women's Championship, Asuka versus Nia Jax was next. It started off fairly decent, but no. So, Universal Championship, Braun Strowman versus The Miz and John Morrison. I don't even think they got any kind of offense. So, no, I thought it was fucking horrible. Uh, the McIntyre versus Lashley match was actually pretty decent. Uh, Street Profits and the Viking Raiders brawl across the Performance Center. No. That match, it was it was funny and entertaining, but at the same time, it was like, eh. 
The greatest wrestling match ever. Edge versus Randy Orton. What a, you know, best match of the night aside from, you know, the fact that this match, literally, guys, it had me going, oh, man, what are they going to do next? So it went from they actually bladed, and I have not seen color in WWE in quite some time. You may call it sadistic, you may call it whatever the fuck you want, but to see color in WWE, wow. I mean, it's been a minute since we've seen that in WWE. So, there was definitely some unique camera shots. I mean, it was cool to see or hear Howard Finkel call out Randy Orton's name and Edge's name. I mean, it was very, very cool. He said MSG, so... Um, yeah, it said the late great Howard Finkel referee Charles Robinson, an old school blue shirt and bow tie. Rep- I mean, they went all out for this match, folks. And the match uh, was very, very good. I mean, it started off like a crescendo, slow build, you know, and then it started picking up. So there was angle slams, edgematics, pedigrees, dude, rock bottom. By Edge, it was pretty awesome. So, um, Edge hit with an RKO, and Edge kicked out, or no RKO. So, I just, I'm sorry. I mean, I got a message just now on Facebook. Um, I just want to point it out that, you know, like uh, the message basically read, uh, what did you think overall? And overall, three out of eight matches is not bad on a main roster pay-per-view. That's, uh, that's an actual improvement. No, dude, look. I appreciate the question. And it's not a, you know, it's it's one eighteen in the morning. Obviously I'm an insomniac. I uh you know, I appreciate the messages. Actually, no. I mean, it's fairly interesting. Yes. The line between Edge and Randy Orton up until this point, and I'm sorry for the dramatic pauses, but, I mean, you had to take everything into account, dude, that this match and the women's tag match by far were the best two matches. The third match that caught my attention was Lashley-McIntyre. By the way, tonight's Raw actually was fucking decent. I mean, despite the fact that there was another promo that gained me a C plus, um, like I, I was not a fan. I've never been a fan of the whole Lashley hooking up from Lana Angle, 
Lashley's career didn't need this bullshit. I mean, Lashley's a talented worker. I mean, yeah, he's he's bland without that. But at the same fucking token, these are the they're okay. Forbes gave it an A. CBS Sports gave it a C. What do I give it? Uh, I don't know what to tell you other than it's fucking horrible and I'm not holding back. I think that if someone is to do a story angle where there's a love affair and they're trying to do the whole Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Elizabeth type angle where <laughs> Lashley gets all jealous, man. But he doesn't talk like that to get. Let me, I mean, talk like this. Are you grammatically correct? Look. If you want my honest opinion on the whole Lana Lashley Rusev, now it's Lana Lashley MVP. Fun travels and threesomes, right, folks? Spices up the life of a, a world of professional wrestling. In a sense that people are either going to love it or rip it apart. Right now, a lot of people are ripping it apart because the angle, the entire angle that they are traveling with and trying to get through to the crowd, some people are like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. We love it. Others are like me and maybe a few other people and fans. Maybe some other fans are saying to themselves, why Why are we watching this shit? Never. I never could get behind Lashley because, like I said, he's a great athlete. He can do some things for big men that most big men his size and weight class could not do. It's just to get behind a world champion – you need to have that shock factor. You need to have that it factor. MVP is like... Million dollar man. But in the sense that... He's got more range? I don't know. Million dollar man was a great man on the microphone. Why? He knew and build someone up. And then tear them down necessarily. MVP knows how to build them up, tear them down, and make it funny. I, you know what, just cut Lana out entirely. She's not the nicest person at an autograph session. She's not very friendly to certain fans. You know, she'll go out of her way to be like, okay, what do you need? I mean, I've met her before as an extra. I can tell you right now. Lana, I can understand why we're not want to be harassed by anybody she doesn't know. That's just natural. What I'm getting at, folks, is they need to cut the fucking cord. Lana, I don't know if that would hold a place or career for her because she's not Drake Maverick. She doesn't have a career in wrestling. She was not even all that great when it came to in-ring shit. I just overall think it's a bust when it comes to Lana, Lashley, and whole. Story angle with McIntyre. Drew needs somebody that'll elevate him, and I believe Rollins could do that. Not just Rollins, but maybe, you know, Aleister Black. 
That would be an excellent match, McIntyre versus Aleister Black. If you truly want to know where I'm conflicted is the fact that I just read in an article, you know, like, Paul Heyman was not giving McMahon what he wanted. This is also going to sound selfish to me. But I wish that, you know, creative would be split on an even playing field so that NXT is the only workhorse and poor NXT. Some people do not know the joys of watching the black and gold brand. Although part of me wants to scream bloody murder because the whole carrying cross get up. That screams to me natural disaster on wheels because if you didn't watch NXT TakeOver in your house or in your house TakeOver, uh, you missed out on a lot. So there's that. What do you mean? Velveteen Dream versus Adam Cole in a backlot brawl match was more decent than the whole AJ Styles thing, but you know what? So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, look, dude. So, (laughs) I get it. WWE has to keep compelling television, so the stories have to coincide with one another, and there's, you know, the story arcs, that are already being built, you know, with Edge and Orton, now Christian's getting involved. I mean, I don't know how much teeth had to be pulled to get Christian to come back, but I'm pretty sure that the guy is enjoying coming back and involving himself in wrestling again. I'm even. As far as, you know, like creative goes, the directions that they're going, they have a sense of where they're going. They just don't know how far they want to take it. Now you're involving Seth Rollins with Dominic. Cool. I like that. I also like the fact that now Orton is getting involved with someone different, and it's not the same bullshit of, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk for about 21 minutes, and then I'm going to leave the ring, and there's going to go to commercial, and they're going to cut me off, blah, 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 so I have an easy night. No. They actually made... Orton work. Orton's never fucking not worked. It's just what I'm getting at, folks, is thank you, Jeebus. There was less talking and more action. Which sometimes WWE Raw really lacks. You don't need to talk for before, after, then, now, forever. What is the point of getting on the mic? To make a point? Yes. Uh, to talk about your opponent? Yes. To basically pick it up every other fucking segment? No. Did they do that tonight? No. So I made a few check marks on the list to talk about and bullet pointed some shit. And I get to, you know, the Kiritazawa Ninja Gang, the big old dude. From NXT Wow uh, He has height So Big Show came to the ring I guess You know Some things 
never change? There's a lot of question marks that come about, you know, when certain guys return, are they going to return just temporarily? Are they going to be there for the long haul to help things along? That's up to WWE's decision-making and not ours, and I'm going to let them decide. I'm going to basically speak about the title and why it is, you know, backlashed. I initially would say, folks, it was a real shit show, but three out of eight matches made me go, or three out of six, sorry, miscalculated. That number ratio of matches being good, that's actually better than zero, folks. Or so um, you would have heard a lot of ranting. Instead, you know, I mix it up from time to time, and I can be optimistic in my my ventures of uh, reviewing WWE. So to make my point. There's some things that need to be worked on. And if you're saying that it's trial and error from a creative perspective, oh my. You know, WWE, yeah, they lost a lot of key players over the years. You know, you, you lost your Shawn Michaels. You still have Triple H in your back pocket. Occasionally, Brian James or Road Dog can fucking work. Not just those three. But you lost a whole era of, you know, Owen Hart, Mark Henry, The Godfather, The Dudleys, Edge and Christian, The Hardys. Of you know, Matt and Jeff are on two different playing fields. One's in AEW, the other one's still in WWE. Yeah, you know, you've got a problem when you say you want to push already established talent. In some aspects, that'll work. In some aspects, that won't. You got all that young talent from NXT, and you're not going to push some of them. Like I, I want to question that because Alistair Black. I mean, okay, well, there's a right time to push someone. There's a time, but you know, you have Ricochet, or had Ricochet. I'm sure you're losing some of your mid card talent to AEW, but it's still talent nonetheless. So not pushing young guys can actually harm you. The Revival was a great tag team. Were they over? Sure. You know, some people loved it. Some people loved to hate. That's kind of sad. You know, you're not pushing. Andrade could be a champion, just not now. But then you've got Apollo Crews also from NXT. But is anyone falling over Apollo Crews? No. Young talent has been... Guys like Aleister Black, Otis, not so sure. I just, you know, I've got a lot of questions, but I necessarily don't have all the time in the free world to discuss it with you all. I'm not holding back. I'm just telling you, Backlash was like icy hot. Hot to start out, 
kind of froze just a little bit in the middle of the in the middle of the uh, card. It's like, um, okay. One of the things I had questions with was the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders and their brawl across the performance. And it was another uh, unique, you know, sequence of events. And some parts of it were comedic. You need different parts of the show. I get it. But it was more like, what the fuck? What the hell did I just watch? And the bowling alley was fucking hilarious. The WWE Championship match. Um, I knew what was going to happen. I just had a fucking feeling when Lana came out there that she was going to try and run interference with him tell Lashley, hey, I'm a part of you. The obviously next step in that was jokingly telling Lady Lynn, you know, obviously she's not on tonight, but I jokingly said, watch, they're going to get a divorce on Raw, and then Lashley's going to choose MVP as the manager. And some assets like, okay, cool, I'm not going to say shit because it's going to ruin the show for the people who actually believe in this nonsense and story angle, okay? Universal Championship Strowman versus The Miz and Morrison. Okay, not just that tonight's episode of WWE Raw. That was not a match, but just reading through this card on Backlash, um, the Raw Women's Championship, so there's, let me count here, as official matches, Sasha Banks, so there's uh-huh. So United States Championship Match That's one Women's Tag Team Is two Three Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus Four Raw Women's Championship Nia Jax Universal Championship Five Six Seven. I was right. Wow, I didn't even, I didn't even look at how many matches there were. I just guessed the number. That's by pure luck, folks. Anyways, so three out of the eight matches is an improvement, uh, comparing it to one or zero or just a moment for me to report to you all. But anyways, I'm going to take a break from the ranting and raving just for a moment to thank all the lovely, awesome fans from Latvia, Indonesia, Australia. Great Britain, London, Surrey, England, Tokyo, Japan, Italy, uh, Toronto, Canada. I love you all. Thank you guys for – oh, and the United States of America. I wanted to thank you all for listening to all this rambling rant, you know, amidst the chaos of George Floyd and another soul that lost in Atlanta. What I'm going to tell you is I don't like to politicize my show, but I like to be aware. Be very, very aware of what's going on around me. So, thank you guys for listening. Oh, and one more plug. If you'd like to, when this uh, COVID 19 is calmed down, visit Monster Factory's website at www.monsterfactory.org. You can email your questions, but do not email the office. No one's going to, I mean, some people may answer your questions or inquiries about monsterfactory.org or Monster Factory School located in Paulsboro, New Jersey, the world-famous Monster Factory. This facility has trained guys like Seamus, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, NXT's favorite son, Matt Riddle, who is now a part of SmackDown Live, Jackson Riker, who is a part of SmackDown Live, or not not Jackson Riker, uh, Steve Cutler, sorry. 
Damian Priest, who's a part of NXT. So, I mean, these guys, the people that Danny Cage, who's an excellent man, folks, by the way, has trained them to know the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts of professional wrestling, no matter what level you are. You want the real deal? Go to one of his super camps or go to train with him for a week. You'll see. I mean, this school, Monster Factory, the world-famous Monster Factory, is the real deal. By the way, the numbers are on the website, so if you want to text message the owner of Monster Factory, you can do so, folks. Do not hesitate. All right? You want to make your dreams of becoming a professional wrestler, commentator, what have you, come true, referee, manager. Monster Factory will train you on all facets, setting a ring, setting up a ring, taking a ring down, doing calisthenics, conditioning, and teaching, you know, the right way of doing not just holds or submissions, but the right way of doing everything, period. So, again, you want more information, go to www.monsterfactory.org. All right, folks. Continue on what I was saying. Backlash wasn't terrible. It just wasn't all that great, you know, entertainment value-wise. When two guys get on the microphone and show a music video, it's like, I love Miz and Morrison to death, but it's like, um, no. It was funny, but still made me think in my head, no, why? I question why they kept the title on Sasha Bailey for as long as they have. I mean, it's good heat. It's getting ratings. Some of it's losing ratings. You make your own assessment, dude. When you keep championships on some people who, it's not that they're undeserved, but it's like you sigh, you breathe, you stomp off and say, okay, maybe this shit will change. Three out of eight matches that weren't bad was the beginning match, you know, with the women. The six women, you're not six women, the triple threat tag team championship, women's tag team championship match. McIntyre versus Lashley was decent. You had a good enough amount of heat, good enough amount of shine for McIntyre. Oh, and uh, my personal favorite, the 51-minute match of Edge and Randy Orton, although it says 50. I don't know if that's true, but... I think it was great. All right, folks, if you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. And, uh, we'll see you uh, next week, Lady Lynn. We miss you. But, uh, yeah. I got to sleep, bitches. It's uh, almost uh, 1.45 here in the morning. Jesus Christ. Talk to you later. Have a good one, people. Toodles, bitches. I get to sleep. Take it. 